0: Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. The show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Good afternoon. Hello to everybody. Welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. This is your co-host, Ross Flanagan. And on the other end of the phone today, we have the master of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, Jamie Glazier, up in Sydney. You can hear the birds chirping. So you're obviously in a nice part of the world. Jamie, how are you today, mate? Where are you?
1: Roscoe, yes. I'm in a, uh, a beautiful part of uh, of the world and the country, uh, up in um, Rose Bay at Royal Sydney Golf Club today. So... It's a gorgeous day, and uh, as you say, the birds have been chirping nicely.
0: Well, we missed our Wednesday wellness golf session this morning, but uh, obviously you're up there doing some work, so all power to you, mate. I hope uh, you have a great session there this afternoon. Thank you very much. No problems. Today's podcast is, as we announced on your Instagram, a little bit of a recap and review of the first couple of podcasts by... Answering some of the questions and some of the the notes that we've taken away out of the first two, and and like any learning journey, um, whether it's professional development, whether it's personal development, it's always great to uh, have a recap and a review. And we've got some really really good questions, so we both thought that it was a great opportunity to answer those and just you know give everyone a bit of a a deeper personal insight for the guys that have answered the question and obviously anyone that has listened is going to get more out of it as well. So what do you think about that, Jamie? Should we get straight into the questions or is there anything else that we want to just touch on?
1: Yeah, look, I think um, first and foremost, again, just want to continue to thank everyone for just engaging in the podcast and, and having, you know, bringing forward some of the questions, the questions that we've got today are just, Fantastic questions, really high quality questions. Obviously, very thoughtful golfers out there. So, um, just really appreciate everyone taking the time to uh, to put these forward. And um, yeah, I'm ready to get stuck into it.
0: Well, I think because I relate to the questions very well from a club golfer uh, perspective, and as we've always said, that this podcast is really aimed at at the everyday golfer, people out there, you know, on the weekends, on the weekdays, uh, trying to improve their game. I relate so much to these questions, so. I'm going to ask the questions, Jamie, and you can give the uh, you can give the. I'll be the mental, and you be the master, if that's uh, the way you want to look at it. So the first, the first question: the relationship between focusing on executing the three C's and the positive impact it has on other mental emotional states. So I I sort of read that and I think you know is someone getting um, more out of the three C's than just just for their golf game is, there, is it a deeper level. But uh, certainly the three Cs that we talked about, very, very popular um, topic, very, very to- uh, popular little bit of content. So the relationship between focusing on executing the three Cs and other positive impact that it has on mental and emotional states. What is, What's your take on that, Jamie?
1: Yeah, look, I think definitely the feedback has been that um, those three Cs have been extremely popular. And and what, really are, what,
0: to- what are they again?
1: Uh, clarity first, confidence second, and commitment third. So, um, you know, I think the main thing is it's just helped to put a bit of structure around, uh, structure and purpose around people's processes. You know, when they get to a golf shot, it's just providing them with a bit of structure and a bit of purpose where prior to they were probably a little bit reactive and reacting to the game of golf. And so I think, you know, that's where they've really probably felt very empowered. Now, in regards to having positive impacts on any other mental and emotional states it's 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 such a great question because when we are in that state of of focusing on uh you know following a process having some purpose behind what we do and then ultimately committing to that that's a very very empowering state for us to perform in so when we uh, feel like we have a certain amount of control over what we're doing. Again, that puts us in a very empowering state. So, uh, if you just put that alone, that's that's one of the powering positive, uh, empowering positive effects. But the other thing is, it stops our mind from engaging in the don'ts and the fears and the doubts uh, of the outcomes. And you know i think that is one of the one of the biggest positive emotional elements um that some of the listeners have been able to experience it's just their now their mind is now caught up in all that the negatives or the doubts um and we go back to that cognitive sequence again if they're thinking about what they want to do um the emotional state that's going to trigger the behavior that's going to create and then ultimately the impact on outcomes it's uh it's fantastic so I, i think you know that's one of the main reasons why uh, you know some of the listeners out there are feeling other beneficial um, you know, benefits from it, um, Good gratitude, being grateful for uh, for each shot, not not allowing uh, negative shots to stick uh, and stay as long. Um, that's just you know a benefit of, of being in a in a more empowering emotional state. So you know again, great question, and have uh, had a lot of thought behind it. So it's great.
0: I guess when I reflect on a personal level and. You know, this is this is new for me. You know, as you know, and I'm probably a couple of weeks ahead in the, the learning part of this journey than the listeners are. Obviously, because we're doing it in advance and we're talking about it in advance, and then we're turning it into this uh, piece of podcast content. So I can yeah. absolutely concur that there is a change. You know, if you can implement this strategy, this three C strategy, on a week in week out basis, every time you do it, it becomes more. I guess to act, for me to access that that state is is closer. You know, so the yeah. the yeah. the downsides. You know, whether it's you know letting some positive uh, negative thoughts slip in, they're the harder parts to access, and the and just the, the part that you want to achieve is really yeah. is becoming easier to access. It's not not there yet for me, so it's not you know two weeks yeah. wonderland and it's it's all perfect. But I know yeah. you know, and you know, I've played a fair bit of golf in the last couple of weeks. You know, I played thirty six holes on Sunday. We had our round on Wednesday, and then the week before that. So there's there's been a bit going on. So it's, I guess from a, you know, when I look at it a learning development perspective, you know, that's my background, At you know, back in the car days, it yeah. doesn't happen overnight. It, you've got to put it in and uh, and yeah. once you put it in, it starts to get easy to access. So yeah. I think I think that's great.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's just like anything, whether it's, you know, people people want to go to the gym and they want to add, you know, 10 kilos of muscle or lose 15 kilos of, of, of body fat, um, changing eating habits, just because you do that for three days doesn't mean you're going to look in the mirror on the fourth day and there's going to be a change.
0: Yep. Absolutely.
1: you know but, but but at least you know some of the some of the responses i've had in feedback is at least people now know they've got some direction in their mental game they know what they need to start to do and obviously having the understanding of it's not easy to begin with but if you commit to it over the next four six eight twelve weeks and then and then continue after that you're going to make changes and you're going to see the positive benefits so it's um yeah it's great
0: so the second question that we've put into today's q a is how do i get in the zone or flow state, zone or flow well, state. Say, uh, can you define? Can you yeah. define zone or flow oh, state? Is there a way to define it? it or
1: it's, it's 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 basically the same thing. So what what people perceive is they perceive the zone or the state of flow is a state of unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about what I'm doing. I'm just doing it. Now I think that potentially could be another mental game myth. Is that when people in the past have accessed the zone or the flow state, it's not that they are thinking of absolutely nothing and they're away in fairyland. It's actually that their mind is focused and engaged with one thing and one thing only at a time. So... That's what, you know, being in the zone, being present to the moment, that's what that really is. It's not about a a state of unconsciousness. It's about a state of being engaged with one thing at a time. And I'm trying to think, I think it was Bryson DeChambeau mentioned something last year or early this year that when he was on the course and he was feeling nervous, he wanted to actually stay present to that nervousness because that meant he was in the moment. He was being present. He was in the zone because he was aware of what he's feeling so we look at a lot of club level golfers and and they're not really aware of how they're feeling because they've got so many things running through their mind but if we can just bring it back to being present and focusing on one thing at a time that is actually going to give us a greater chance of accessing flow state or the zone and also being a lot more aware of how am I feeling right now and how do I now manage it or deal with it? You know, I think that's the uh, that's the the little bit of a myth there around the zone and, and flow state is just just to train ourselves to be present to the moment and focus on one thing at a time. Very good. So
0: very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's why I asked, you know, is can you define zone or flight? Because it's obviously more to it. So that's um that's a yeah. re- really good question and a great response and and yeah. i think uh, once again you put that into place and it'll start to become a more normal and practiced behavior. Third question we've got here. Some days i can see the line in the greens and other days i can't. So obviously a putting question. Um yep. you know, 30, yep. 30 you know 20 27 to 40 shots of the game you know can be taken up by that yep. discipline. So
1: And this this question's a, a, another a really good one and the answer will actually also refer to the question prior about zone and flow state. So We touched on this with you in episode two about visualization and sometimes the left brain overthinking, Mm. uh, overanalyzing can actually impact your ability to visualize. So we've sort of discussed that in episode two, but I'm going to take another component to it now just to add a little bit more depth to to that question. So when we look at visualization, which is a mental skill, okay, it's a mental task that our mind uh, has to be Performing at a at a at a decent level to be able to achieve that state. So, if we look at brain functioning and what goes into having high quality brain functioning, things like the amount of sleep that you've had uh, the night before or a few nights before, your hydration levels. If you are dehydrated, the fun your the quality of your brain function is dramatically reduced. So, you're not going to be able to think clearly. You're not going to be able to create clarity. You're not going to be able to actually imagine and visualize things is you, almost your brain functions in a very sort of slow blurry state not only with thought but also with uh, imagination and uh, nutrition is another one uh, nutrition is a, is a big one on, on having good quality brain functioning and also then stress if we are under stress that also has a big impact on the ability of our brain functioning so I would say the great thing to, to, for people to be able to do here is if some days they can see things clearly and they're really in a good, calm, clear mental state, to stop and analyze what have I done the last 48 hours, what have my sleeping patterns been like, what have my hydration levels been like, maybe maybe they haven't had any alcohol for three days and they've actually you know really focused on drinking more water, just find out what are the patterns of behavior uh, the few days prior helped Access or achieve that that state, and and for the opposite as well. If you if you can't uh, see the line on the greens, um, you know things like head colds, headaches, they also impact. So have a look at again. If I can't see it, what have I been doing the last couple of days to cause my brain to function like this? So um, you know they're really key areas that maybe we don't spend as much time and energy and attention on from a mental game point of view as we should.
0: And I guess that goes back somewhat a little bit to that whole, you know, routines, as as we discovered yep. in last uh, week's podcast was, you know, the pre-round routine. If you're yep. aware of that, you know, if you do a little yep. bit of analysis on when you have not been able to see the lines and you do yep. the analysis, as you suggest, you know, is it a reflection on your pre-round routine, as we discovered in routines? Very good.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And the other thing, too, like with with, with some of my professional players, we put in a an eating and a hydration plan, like a eating and hydration routine during the round of golf. So you're going to eat every three holes. You're going to have a snack. Um, the caddy just gives them the food on the 3rd, 6th, ninth, 12th, 15th holes. Um, after every hole, caddy's going to give them a bottle of water to sip after every hole. Um, and that's just a routine to help make sure that they're getting the hydration, the uh the nutrition is required to keep their brain functioning at a high level so um you know again most club golfers they probably will forget a lot of that during the round of golf. so um yeah it's a it's a it's a key uh, key ingredient for it for sure
0: it's probably the worst part of my my game and you've yeah. probably noticed and and you yeah. politely probably haven't commented but uh, you know the, <laughs> the whole hydration part for me is, is ridiculous yeah. I'm terrible at it yeah. so
1: yeah. there's yeah. there's
0: uh there's my take out my homework from uh from this so exactly. que- question four thoughts on being positive on the golf course versus being realistic now i found this question a little bit perplexing um mm-hmm. not in about not in a bad way in a posi- in a good way because yes. I, you know i don't i struggle to see a dis- the disconnect between being realistic and and being positive and being and being different you know I, I,
1: mm.
0: i'm obviously struggling with it but but i just found it made me think you know because i'm genuinely try to be a positive person on the golf course and i try yeah. to be realistic sometimes the two don't go hand in hand but i don't yeah. know you know i'm waffling yeah. on but yeah, it's your question to answer
1: it's a it's a it's a really great question and, and obviously it comes from uh from marcus he plays a lot of golf so again very deep question uh put a lot of thought behind it it's a great question and i think i might have mentioned in one of the episodes about i'm not a big fan of the words positive and negative and positive especially like positive self-talk um Mm. especially you know like fluffy positive self-talk it it's just unproductive and it doesn't help us um i think i mentioned that sometimes i find Positive self-talk is a safety blanket for for making us feel better when we fail. Mm-hmm. Right. So, if if we're positive, what what ultimately again, what that's doing is we're being overly positive to avoid potentially avoid um, reality, like avoid the fact that I'm not comfortable or confident or competent in this moment. So I'm gonna be positive and just, you know, talk myself into doing things, but because the reality is we don't like the reality. We don't like the fact that, you know what, my short game is horrible at the moment. I'll stand over like for my reality. Mm. Um, on the weekend played Long Island, I've done a little bit of work on my game the last sort of, I suppose, two or three weeks, had a lesson, spent more time on my full swing than, than anything else. And I st- I'm starting to actually get an understanding of what I need to be doing from a technical point of view and starting to hit the ball quite nicely. Um, but short game-wise, I had a lesson and I still haven't spent much time on it. And I still don't really know or can't access that that comfortability over the ball. That I'm like, okay, I feel, co- I feel comfortable and I feel like I know what I'm doing. Um, so Sunday, it was... It was just my short game was my pitching from 30 yards and it was just horrible, but it felt horrible. Um, Now, I have to be, if I'm being positive and go, oh, no, 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 you know, I'm just going to commit to it and and it'll all be good, that's not going to help me perform. But if I actually say, okay, I'm uncomfortable here, what do I need to do to get myself comfortable? I can either go two ways. I can either go, well, I'm going to putt it from 30 yards out or I'm going to get my three-wood out and putt it from 30 yards out or I'm going to actually really sit in this uncomfortability and just try to find the feel that my coach was giving me and if if i hit a bad shot i hit a bad shot but i want to just because i know there's a stage that i need to work through that i'm at now where it's uncomfortable i need to i need to step into that so i can actually start to um, move forward with my short game this is the big hurdle if i don't step into this big hurdle then i'm never going to become uh, a, a good chipper or a good pitcher of the ball. So, um, but that's the reality of it. If I was positive, I wouldn't actually access that hurdle. I wouldn't want to go anywhere near it because it's too uncomfortable. So, um, you know, the thoughts on being positive versus uh, realistic, I think, is a is a great question and is unique and and unique to each individual how that plays out. But mm. I think the question that I want. Um, I want sort of Marcus and everyone else that, that that sort of struggles with this is just ask yourself, what are you what are you avoiding by not being realistic? Because we know when we're being positive, but there's no depth behind it. like you can lie to me and maybe get away with it, but you can never, ever, ever lie to yourself. You know, so mm-hmm. this is where positive self-talk is. A lot of the time, will be positive, but our subconscious mind goes, nah, you're, you're talking crap now, like you don't really believe in that, so therefore what's gonna happen is if you lie to yourself, then you start to ingrain a pattern of distrust. So then you try to step into that positive self-talk or that positive thought, and during performance, during impact, uh, you know, during the in-shot, that's when you're going to actually start to lack the trust because you're lying to yourself.
0: So, are you saying that, say you've got a, that pain point in your game, the short game? You know, it's familiar yep. to, to, to you, and as you mentioned, and to me, as you know, yeah. Yep. It's it's okay to acknowledge that. Yeah, you know, if you know that it's something that you're working on, and you have, you know, you have to work towards getting it better. You know, and maybe yep. uh, it's okay to acknowledge that, and it's okay to keep trying. In that moment, is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not okay to acknowledge it, right? So it yeah. is. It is crucial and imperative to your growth to acknowledge it. Yep. Okay. It's the yeah. Okay. Mo- yeah. It's <laughs> the most important thing.
0: Sorry, I thought you. I thought you were telling me I said the wrong thing, but I just underestimated how <laughs> important it is. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, we cannot underestimate the absolute importance of it because then then we start to tap into that little bit of freedom to fail state as well. Just like, it's okay if I, if I mess this up. That frees us up to be able to then commit to what we're trying to achieve in the face of failure. That
0: was so, a great, yeah. great, great little uh, little snippet that I sent you across there, which which leads us into that next uh, question. Yeah. Is there a balance between having the freedom to fail and not caring enough? Yes.
1: Yes, yes, yes. That, I mean, Again, these questions are like just ridiculously next level questions because obviously this person has gone out and tried to access that feeding to fail, but maybe gone a little bit too far with not being connected or engaged enough to the shot, um, and their arousal level has dipped, you know, to a to an unhealthy level where they just don't care. Um, so yeah, there, there is definitely a, a balance, and all all I basically. I suppose the thing to look out for for people with this question is do I have clarity on what I'm trying to do because when we get that um that balance between you know freedom to fail and not caring we actually don't have any clarity or structure in the shot we're trying to hit we just step up and swing the golf club and we don't care where it goes which means we're not really connected to trying to hit to a shot we're just accepting of whatever shot comes out so yeah, we we still need to activate that clarity, that purpose. What am I trying to do here? Um with that uh with that ability to just accept whatever happens. So again, great great question.
0: Okay. So n- the next question, I noticed the storytelling or narrative I create around my own golf game, it's not healthy. How can I change this? Now, <laughs> now I, I, I'm just going <laughs> to give this person some some comfort that it is possible, that it is yeah. possible, and and I may have said that I, I was a positive person, but you know in the past, you know there's no one there's been no greater uh, person that's beat themselves up on a golf course than me, and yeah. and it's taken a long time, and not in a bad way, you know, not in an aggressive, you know, throw clubs way all that sort of thing, but just inside my own headspace, I. I wasn't a great um you know what you know spent some time not in a great space on the golf course and and you know basically contributed towards me not enjoying it it is yeah. absolutely possible to yeah. retrain and get out of yeah. that 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 yeah. habit you know and by creating you know better habits it's absolutely possible so whatever the answer yeah. that is coming here from from Jamie you can do it yeah well it's
1: again it's such a really great because it comes back to that cognitive sequence we spoke about. It's about firstly, we need to be able to get clarity and an understanding of how our thoughts are happening. You know, what quality thoughts we are having because we have that 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day. It's very easy for us to lose connection to what is actually going on internally. Um, So again, it's, first step one is is massive congrats on being able to get access to what the hell is going on between our mind like between our ears because sometimes that can be difficult so secondly acknowledging the fact that you realize wow okay this is you know this is not this is not good um again all these levels of awareness acknowledgement are so crucial in being able to then step forward into the new you know into the new you so to speak so um, you know, for me, uh, it's about uh, about accepting your reality, like from a from a a golf identity point of view. To really identify who am I as a golfer right now, what type of golfer uh, you know shows up on the golf course? Is it someone like me, for example, at the moment? Um, you know, my, my short game is, is really, really well, well, well below par um, for, for, a, for a seven or eight handicap, uh, even below par for, for that number. So for me, it's about identifying this is actually who I am as a golfer right now. And yeah, I want to be better, but right now this is actually who I am. Um, when you accept your reality, then you can actually start to change the narrative. But this is where you have to make sure – you understand where you are, so the story can actually be written along those lines. So, um, and then the important thing is, once you write that, uh, or write down that that process of who am I as a golfer? What are my tendencies? What are my patterns right now? Write that down. But then write another script of who do I want to become? Okay, and and that narrative. Who do I want to become and how am I going to achieve that? What things do I need to do to become that person? And give yourself a timeline. How long may it take me to get to that stage? And then probably add two or three more months. just because we're, we're generally impatient creatures, so we want things a lot earlier than yeah, what we may get them. So, um, but yeah, I think just to be able to change the narrative and not be so harsh on yourself, you have to measure your performance uh, against who you are, not who you either pretend to be or who you want to be. So, um, yeah, so again, really, really great question. And, um, you know, setting that expectation for the day uh, a little bit closer to your reality will actually just also start to change that little bit of a narrative. Um, so, uh, another great thing there is just after each shot. Um, a good exercise is after every single shot, tell yourself one thing that you absolutely loved about that shot. Just one thing that you loved about it. It may be that, um, you know, you committed to hitting the shot. It may be that you laughed at yourself when you hit a poor shot. It may be whatever it is. just, Just think of one thing that you loved about that shot. And that, again, that will distract the old pattern and the old narrative from kicking in if it kicks in 15 seconds after it normally does by that stage our emotion is diffused quite a bit so then the narrative won't be as harsh or the thoughts associated to that performance won't be anywhere near as harsh
0: gold mate absolute gold Mm. well whoever answered that question uh asked that question congrats for uh for asking because it's absolute ripper and uh and as as Jamie's just articulated, you can build on where you are and you can build into where you want to be and what that wants to, what you want to look like. Very good. Yeah. So Great. I think we uncorked uh, a few different uh, perspectives on, you know, on mindset, uh, not mindset, sorry, um, routines last week, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, set, yeah. The to- set the tongues wagging somewhat. So we've got a question, sure. and I think we've yeah. answered a little bit. But when should our routine start? So you know, we might want to just recap on that. Uh, all of the, the yep. different forms of routine, and and when do you start accessing what we talked about yeah. last week?
1: Yeah. Look, I think this this one uh, again. I uh, this is a, a great question, and it again is a fairly fluid answer, meaning it's it's it, it's going to be different for for everyone. I know. Um, years ago when Tiger Woods was about uh, 12, I think it was, he saw a sports site um, in the US. And they actually created what they called uh, Tiger's 10-yard line, which basically meant the NFL football, the US football that had the 10-yard lines. What they would do is Tiger's ball would be in the middle of the 10-yard line. So he would step over the first line and switch on then he'd go through his process, go through his routine, hit the shot, and then when he was finished with the shot, finished analysing it, finished you know rehearsing what he would like to do next time and stepped over the second yard line, he would then switch off. So that was his trigger to help him start the routine and ultimately finish the routine. So um, for a lot of the golfers that, um, that, that I've worked with, One of the really great keys to help switch a routine on and get that routine started and switch a routine off is using your golf glove. So put your glove on and that is your trigger to switch on. Go through your process, get the number, get the shot, get clarity, get confidence, get commitment, execute. Um, Go through a little bit of a post shot and then once you're done with that, take your golf glove off and completely switch off. Uh, That has been a really great practical tool for Uh, golfers of all levels to to just help switch on and switch off and put some structure around when the routine should start. There's going to be some fluidity to this because you might be 20 metres 30 metres from your ball and you might actually have to start possibly or you might start analysing where it is, what shots you have and that's okay um, providing that process is executed at what we classify as as a low level of intensity. You just You're just calmly thinking about it. You're not intensely analysing what's the situation, where's my ball, what do I need to do, just calmly sort of using uh, that intensity. Um, And then when you get close to that ball, using the glove on, glove off is, um, as I said, is is a great one to train. So and when I say train, we actually have to train that on the range. So hit a shot, glove off, club in the bag. Uh, look around, pick a different target, glove on, switch on, hit the shot, post shot routine, glove off, club in the bag, and go through that one shot at a time because you we've got to train our brain to um, to prepare itself for um, you know for competitive golf. And I know years ago, uh, Jason Day, when he he decided he wanted to try and become number one in the world, he um, was out in a practice session one day and there was a golf rider sitting on the balcony of his, uh, his home club, and he was just about to go home, but he said, I'll watch JD for 10 minutes, and he sat there for about three and a half, four hours watching Jason practice. He was mesmerized by the fact that JD treated every shot like it was the final hole of a major. So he would put his glove on, go through his long routine that we know he's got with that, closing his eyes, staring at the target, walks in really slowly, And um, he would do that with every single shot. But funnily enough, he would have like a two-minute break in between every shot to switch off and and then he'd have to switch on, increase the intensity, then switch off. He was really training himself to be prepared and conditioned for Tournament Golf. So, um, And then not long after that, maybe six months after that, is when he reached uh, world number one. So... um, yeah, I think it's a, it's an important one for 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 listeners out there to if that's a process they want to be able to execute in a competitive round of golf, they have to train it first.
0: How would uh, should should everyone have like a documented type practice routine? Is is that something like you know we talked about journaling the, the thoughts on the golf course? You know, uh, should you journal your your practice routine so you you actually. Stick to it and and follow a process. You know, maybe not as elaborate over four hours like Jason Day, if that's not possible. But, yeah. but yeah. is that going to uh, that to me? That to me is, you know, I get caught up hitting fifty balls um within ten minutes. I'm back at the you know range servant, you know, dishing out another fifty balls, a hundred sent down the range, and I have yeah. I have a bit of a you know routine that I go through. But it's it's essentially whacking balls and just trying to make different yeah. shot shapes.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
0: But it should, I reckon I should document it and I should go through a, a structure.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, well, how you just mentioned how you practice just, you know, hitting, just beating balls and hitting different shot shapes with the same club repetitively over and over and over again. Um, one, that's got no relationship. I'll, I'll say very little relationship to what you have to practice what you have to do in a competitive round of golf, the randomness of golf, one one seven iron, then a little chip shot, then a putt, then a driver, then, Mm. you know, a seven iron off a a hanging lie. Like we, I won't say, well, actually I will say, you would probably experience very little negative impact on your golf game if you never hit balls like that again in your life. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just, um, and, you're at a, you're at a what I classify as a very high level of golf, you know, playing off three or four or five. Um I thought, I thought you, you were know, gonna
0: I thought you were gonna use the E word then.
1: What, what <laughs> word's that?
0: The elite word, but no it didn't come.
1: Well, well you know No. You you gotta earn those stripes. Sub elite. Um <laughs> Definitely. But you know the but for most, you know, even for even for mid to high handicap golfers, they're in a similar pattern. Just because their mechanics aren't as good as yours, they can still train themselves to be, you know, a lot more prepared for competitive golf. And and obviously, competence is going to play a big part in that for them, like with me and my short game. Competently, or competence, I, I'm, I'm low on the chart of competence at the moment. But... Um, you know, I'm working through that. Uh, that. That, for me, at the moment, is my priority before I can actually access some of the other stuff. Um, so, you know, it's just making sure we put things in, in the right list of priority for people. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big one. So, you know, chart, charting things and, and and putting purpose into your practice. Like, instead of hitting 50 balls, 10 balls with a purpose, with a structure, that relates to the pattern of behavior you need to execute uh, in a competitive environment, those 10 balls are going to be way more profitable. Mm. So, yeah, definitely.
0: Well, there's another uh, task on the things to do related to golf list for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> so last question that we've got that we'll go through um, and that'll wrap us up just nicely for a, a nice little easy to, to digest uh, podcast for today. During the thought journal process, I noticed my yep. mind wandering a lot when over the ball. What can yep. I do to switch it on for every shot?
1: Yeah. I suppose that, uh, that would almost come back to that last question yep. as well, using the gloves, using some sort of trigger to, to switch you on. Um, you know, having a chat to a, to a client this morning in the US and um, he was uh, discussing... The use of a yardage book when he gets to a shot—that's the first thing he can recall doing. Every single shot, is he open up his yardage book and actually have a look at what's going on. So, you know, we just we just discussed putting a trigger word in there, um, you know, for every shot to help him engage. You know, right here, right now, or we'll switch on. Um, so, you know, for the for the listeners, they can use their gloves. But if switching on is a is a big thing, they might want to actually write it On their glove, you know, just put on. So um, every time they put their glove on, that that you know word on is there just to remind them and engage. Um, And again, more importantly, train that to be your default setting. So when you go on practice, have short sharp. That's why I love doing sort of five ball blocks, is because I say to people, here's five five ball blocks. You've got twenty five balls. But make sure they've got a purpose. Make sure you're really switching on for every single shot, and you're engaged with what you're doing. That is a that's quite a you know a, a challenging task for the mind to do over and over again. But it's a very important task to help people train and condition their mind to be able to perform the way they want to under that competitive environment. So, um, you know, as you're probably noticing and seeing. A lot of it comes down to the relationship between training versus practicing. Practicing is just beating balls with no real purpose, no real structure, just getting the reps in. Training is I am training my mechanics, I'm training my mind. Um, There's specific intent and purpose behind your training sessions, and that's why a lot of people don't transfer their practice form, so to speak, to the competitive. Environment because they're not training themselves for a competitive environment; they're training it for a casual, relaxed, sunny range session to make them feel good. That's not golf. Golf mm. doesn't always make us feel good.
0: Can in in relation to this question and the mind wandering part. So obviously, the, whoever's asked this question, that's their pain point. Yeah. And yep. and for me, you know, in my journey back to golf you know, in the last ten years, my mind wandering was. Yep probably one of the single biggest uh, challenges that affected, you know, the efficacy of my game. So can I give you a couple of things that I did and you can, Mm -hmm. you know, either to critique and it may or may not help this particular person who asked this question, but there were definitely two things that I remember um, having implemented once I acknowledged that my mind was wandering and distracting me from hitting good shots. Now, for me, my driving is my strength, but it, so yeah. I and with my short game being my weakness, you know the the effectiveness of my driving is is everything because if my, mm-hmm. I'm off the fairway, then I'm 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 playing catch up. Yeah. I knew that my grip tension was leading to poor shots, mm-hmm. so I had a little saying and just before I take the club away, and you may or may not have noticed this, I actually release the pressure of my grip. Yeah. So once I release the pressure of my grip, that is my trigger. You know, and it's almost like i say to myself release the gas i don't say that anymore but more it's just to release the pressure to the grip i almost yeah. effectively so soft it's barely holding on and then i just yeah. take the club away from there and once yeah. once my hands go loose on that club yeah. i i know now that i'm not thinking about anything other than just sending it mm-hmm. so that's that's the first thing i did but i was always it was always my strong part so it wasn't that hard for me to adopt that my iron game was where I, my mind was wondering because obviously it's the second shot, it's you know, shot to the green, and that's when the, you know, don't thin it, don't miss it right, don't hit it in the bunker, don't, 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 would come into the game. Obviously, I had to get rid of that, and I had my, what I call my one-two trigger. Yep. So I put into practice, I'd go out and play socially, I wouldn't hit any balls on the range, I would go out and play, and I would walk up to every shot, I'd, I'd have my practice swing, I'd walk up to every shot, and I'd say one, two, and on two, I would, be firing the club. So one, two, go. Mm-hmm. And after, like all cognitive training, it took some time, but I did yeah. notice a point that when I walked up to the ball, I didn't have to say one, two, but my mind was clear.
1: That ended up becoming a default setting, which is which is fantastic. Now, remember, if we go back to a comment I made before about the flow state of being in the zone, yes. it's, it's not a state of unconsciousness. It's a state of you focusing on one thing at a time. And that's exactly what you just explained with your one-two. You had a process your mind could focus on and commit to with every shot, which would help to put you in that in that in that flow state or the zone because you you're just committing to that one thing. Now, when the question is about my mind wandering a lot. Your mind's not now engaged in one thing; it's jumping from, you know, a, a thousand things. Now, there's there's a variety of different reasons for why a club level golfer um, might have a, you know, a thousand things running through their mind. But some, you know, I've I've had sessions with people where we talk about they feel guilty about being out on the golf course midweek when they've got a thousand things they need to be doing. Um, so, you know, like there's just so many different factors that. Is the is the reason behind why your mind wanders? So I just want the listeners to just be be aware of what is the driver behind my mind wandering? Is it because a lot of the time it may not be a lack of mental uh, ability or mental focus. People can focus. It's just that they um, haven't created the right environment for them to stop their mind thinking about all the other things and to allow themselves the ability to just be present to the moment. So, you know, the first thing is just for everyone to be aware of what's the driver behind their mind wandering. Is it they haven't trained their mind to have that quality of focus with, you know, with things uh, in other aspects of their life and they may need to condition or train their mind to create better quality focus or is it something that's more external, um you know uh in regards to um you know they've just got a thousand things that they they need to be doing and they're feeling guilty for being out there so that's their sort of i suppose coping mechanism for for sort of feeling like it's okay because they're still thinking about doing these things even though they can't action them so
0: so when you're when you're out there you're out there so be there
1: Yep. And you can't yep. do any, if
0: you're out there, you've made a decision to be out there. So just be out there and be there. And uh whatever else yep. that you you're dealing with outside or in and around that, that'll still be there. You can go back to that. But when you're there, you're there.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: That's, that's what I hear.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I experienced that, you know, a couple of years ago. I just I couldn't play midweek because I just I hadn't allowed myself uh, the freedom to be there and switch my mind off, worrying about all the other things that I had to do or get done. Yeah. and it was just it was a it was a waste of time. I wasn't being productive with the things I, I I needed to get done, and I wasn't actually enjoying my time switching off. So that's why we've created that Wellness Wednesday. Is we've allowed ourselves the freedom to commit to having that morning off and just have fun. You know, leave everything off the golf course. So. When we're done, we can actually revisit that. Yeah. So yeah, so that's
0: great. Well, mate, I missed the Wellness Wednesday today. We've uh, covered off the eight questions. It sounds like you're getting uh, close to going to do what you need to do up there at, uh, in Sydney. Is yeah. There, is there any anything else that uh, we need to bring to the listeners?
1: No, I think that's I think that's great as a starting point. Um, yeah, I really think, uh, as I said, we're starting to engage in some really good quality communication uh, between the listeners and ourselves and, and hopefully starting to have uh, a really nice positive impact on you know their enjoyment for the game and then ultimately uh, their performance in the game. So, um, no, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Just appreciate everyone's feedback.
0: Absolutely. I'm enjoying the journey and I'm certainly learning a heap Thirty six holes on Sunday and uh what did I have? I think I had seven birdies over those thirty-six holes and that's all I remember. That puts a smile on my face today when I think about those thirty-six holes. Seven birdies, a lot of drives. Okay, I had a few double bogeys, but anyway, but I had seven birdies and that's you know, you know for me, Jamie, that's that's a lot of birdies. But uh That's some good golf. Some missing really my golf missed my wellness Wednesday today. Enjoy it up there. And thank you for tuning in to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. You can follow Jamie at Jamie underscore Glazier on Instagram. You can go to his website at daretodream.com.au. Sign up for the newsletter. There's big things coming. And uh, we look forward to staying in touch. Jamie, enjoy that up there in Sydney, and I'll speak to you next week, mate.
1: Thanks, Ross. Appreciate
0: it. No problems. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to the Mental
0: Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.